You're listening to NASA in Silicon Valley, episode 90. This week, our guest is Karen Bradford, Chief of Staff to the Center Director here at NASA Ames. Uh, Karen tells a great story about how she came to NASA and the role she plays in pulling order out of chaos to help bring people together. Karen recently received the Dean Green STEM Award for her work in promoting STEM and STEAM movements here in Silicon Valley. Also joining me is my colleague Tiffany Blake, but let's just go ahead and jump on into our conversation that we had with Karen Bradford. start the podcast in the same way you know we want to know how did you get to NASA what brought you to Silicon Valley so tell us a little bit about your story were you always interested in working at NASA or how did that happen exactly I wanted to be a part of NASA since I was a little girl Mm -hmm. and I'd love to tell you I had some great enormous plan on how to get here but I didn't (laughs) Um, I'd love to tell you that Um, I could start with there's this moment in my life when we were little kids in Alabama. I'm from Anniston, Alabama. And my mom and dad took us for the first time to Disney World. Okay. And the only reason I wanted to go, because I had no interest in rides, I had no interest in, in any of that really, except to kind of see it, I wanted to go to Space Mountain. It was my goal. It's what I was going to do. And we got there in August. I don't know why my parents thought August was the perfect time to go to Orlando, but we did. Um, and I wanted to go to Space Mountain. So I think, you know how your kids will tap you and go, Mama, 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 Mama. I did that for hours to my mom and dad. I want to go to Space Mountain. I want to go. And they finally broke down and said, oh, my gosh, let's take this kid. We had to go all the way across the park. We get there. Uh I thought it was an exhibit. I didn't know it was a ride. (laughs) You thought you were going to space camp. I thought it was like, going, you know, we're going to have something. There'll be some scientists talking to me. And even though... You're in for a world. Did not (laughs) know. Did not know it was going to happen. And I just wanted to see exhibits. I wanted to see science. I wanted to know, you know, sort of what the new technological things that were going to happen in the future. And on TV, it kind of said that. And I saw the flashing lights and I saw the people, but it never occurred to me it was a ride. So we get there, and even with all the the warnings of, you know, if you're this high or <laughs> if you're pregnant or if you have a brain, yes. don't get on this ride. I didn't hear it because my mind was focused on what I thought it was, right? So we, you're yeah. sitting in the thing. The lap yeah. belts are coming down. You're like, yeah. still, this is not a ride. Not a ride. When are the scientists coming right. out? I this is an odd seating arrangement, yes. but I'm going with it. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what happened. And because my, my brothers and my dad were in the little car thing ahead of me, I thought it was just going to take us through the exhibits, right? And I saw... I saw it was in the dark, and I don't know if they still do this at Space Mountain or not, but it was kind of in the dark, and you saw flashing things, which later on I realized was the roller coaster going over. My mom. How old were you? I was maybe nine. Oh, that's awesome. Nine years old. (laughs) And uh, I've always been, you know, a kind of fluffy girl. My mom is this very tiny West Indian woman, right? So she sat in front because of the weight allowance, you know, if the larger folks sat in the back because of the ride. Didn't know that, but it makes sense now. So I was behind her, and they started off really slow, and I was just telling my mom, hey, mom, I wonder what's the first exhibit we're going to see. I bet you it's something from NASA, because NASA, of course, is going to be involved with Space Mountain. I'm so excited. And my mom kind of went, what? And about the time she said that, I saw my father and my brothers disappear. Right? <laughs> over. right down, right? And that's the last thing I remember saying, because I screamed 
the whole way. And my poor mom, till the day she passed, still had the uh, crescent claw marks in her <laughs> collarbone from me clamping in and just like, oh my gosh. And I think the reason um, they show you pictures of yourself on cameras to show you that you're still alive yeah. when you get out of that ride. And we you all we, we made it, walked out, sat on a bench. Nobody said a word. And my dad finally, when he could speak, said, don't you ever say the word Space Mountain again. <laughs> he didn't realize it was going to be all of that either. But it never diluted my just passion oh, for wow. NASA. It never did. Um, so one thing led to another. Life happens. My husband and I, we met in fifth grade. We ended up being teen parents. Okay. And he ended up going into the nuclear Navy instead of doing uh, the scholarship he had gotten at Virginia Tech because we had these kids that we wanted to take care of. Yeah, of course. And off we went for me to be a military wife. And I just followed him everywhere for like 21 years. Oh, wow. Is how long he was in. Five kids. We now have eight grandkids. And every duty station we went to, I took classes and went to school. I had started okay. at Jacksonville State in, Anna, in uh, Jacksonville, Alabama, and then got married and took off. So you can imagine, I think for a while we moved every six months mm-hmm. or every year as he was doing his nuclear power training and I was learning how to be a mom. Um, but everywhere we went, I would try to find something, a tech museum, anything. I followed NASA just fanatically, to be honest, taught my kids what was going on and following all of the programs and Challenger and what have you, until eventually the weirdest thing happened. I started working for the government. Yeah. That was great. Um, Worked for DOD and Navy and Mm -hmm. the U.S. Marine Corps at Treasure Island here in the Bay Area. We lived there for nine years. We were here through the earthquake in 89. And then Alonzo Bradford retired. Okay. And the bet was, okay, and we were in Hawaii. I said, here's the deal. I've always wanted to go back home to Alabama. Mm-hmm. He not necessarily so. I said, whoever gets the first job. <laughs> wins. That's who wins. Yeah. Nice. Right? And that's Marriage. where we go. Marriage. <laughs> Got it's a compromise. It. It's a compromise. That seemed fair, right? And we're very And motivated, compared. too. So now all of a sudden, you're motivated to get yourself out there and find exactly. the job. Exactly. The man hadn't even thought about it <laughs> until I said that. And the next day, woke up and went, oh, there's a career fair at Pearl Harbor today, I'm going. I said, yeah, that's nice. Thinking, okay, he's, he's just getting out there, hadn't interviewed in 21 years. What's going to happen? Next thing he said was, hey, guess what? I went and these people wanted to talk to me. Oh, look at him. <laughs> he's, he's getting out there. That's great. Right? He's basically a shy guy. Yeah. I told my coworker, she said, you know, you need to be prepared because when he hears his first rejection, that's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And you need to be ready. I, I'm totally on it. Next thing I know, he comes in the next day. They want to see me. The next day was they're flying me to Santa Clara. What? What's happening? He had the job okay. at Intel. We ended up the week really? after he retired. Oh, he beat you. He beat me. <laughs> he beat me, got the job first. I had already put in my transfer orders to work at Naval Public Works in uh, Virginia. Okay. Is what I was going to go to work at NAFAC there. Because um, I was working for Public Works in Pearl Harbor in Hawaii in the yeah. Comptroller's office. So I thought that makes sense and I'm closer to home and Virginia's great. I'd love that. Mm-mm. So we come back to the Bay Area and as we're here, and I'm thinking, this is a great time. I actually went to Alabama. He came here. But he needed to help find a house here. And with starting to work so quick, he yeah. couldn't do all of that. I said, tell you what, it's a great time. The parents have the kiddos. I'll fly out, find a house, and I'll do my resume. Awesome. Yeah. While I'm out there. I said, okay, that's a great idea. 
So I come out, we stay with friends. I do what I call the resume of my life because I decided <laughs> everything I needed to put in it had to be what I was really about and what I wanted to do. No idea of what that was, but I wanted it yeah. to get me to where I'm supposed to be. So, yeah, you didn't just want a job. You I wanted something want that you're job. passionate about. Exactly. Right. It I was time. Right. If there are five kids and exactly. you're like, now it's yeah. time for me. Yeah. It's time <laughs> yeah. for me. It's my time I'm going to like what I do. Exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. I thought, well, I didn't get the job first. I should at least, when I get the job, have it be the job that really means something to me. So we did all that. And just so happens, commissary is here at Moffitt, mm-hmm. yep. right? And as a military family, he said, oh, you should see where the commissary here is in this area. Oh, that's a great idea. I knew Moffitt was down here because it's a, it was a Navy base. Yes, exactly. Right? And we've been at Treasure Island, but I'd never been here. Not ever. And I did not know NASA was here, which was really weird that I didn't know that mm-hmm. NASA Ames was even here. So we come and I said, I tell you what, I'm going to bring my resume with me because Anazuka Air Station was still active when we first got here. And I actually ended up going over there to drop it off and ended up having an interview at Onizuka while I was here, right? For their, um, I think it was accounting area and comptroller area, right? And IG, because that's what I did. So we're coming from that, and this is a horrible thing to say, and you can edit it at any time. (laughs) I had to use the bathroom really bad. It happens to other to the best of us. It's a thing, human, (laughs) human thing. And we looked up, the black fence wasn't here. Okay. And I told my husband, I'm like, oh my gosh, we we still hadn't quite found the commissary. He said, it's here somewhere. I said, I really, oh, look, there's a building. It says personnel. They have to have bathrooms. Yes. I've got this resume. I'm just going to run in and use the bathroom, run out. He said, well, I, I don't, what is this? I said, you know, I, there's a sign. It says NASA. Oh, that can't be like the NASA. Well, even if it is. <laughs> so I convinced my husband to stop. I jump out, run in, use the bathroom. Like, well, I'm here. Hello, personnel people. Actually, (laughs) there there was resume. Exactly. (laughs) Well, there was someone in the stall, and I was embarrassed because she said, "Oh, hi, I've not seen you around." Mm -hmm. And I thought, "Uh oh, they got me. They got me. Right? What am I doing?" So I said, "Mm "Hmm." She said, "Are you applying for a job here?" And I said, "Oh, yes, I am." (laughs) And she said, "Oh, that's great. What do you do?" And I'm talking and still thinking of a way to get out of this building. So they don't arrest me because yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking it's NASA. There's all kinds of security. Yeah, what? you have no idea. This is exactly. So she kind of said, "Oh, that's great. Do you have a resume with you?" <laughs> I do. I, I as a matter, I, of, fact, as a matter of fact, I do have a Why? resume with me. Yes. Gave it to her, thinking now I can just leave. And she looked and said, "Don't move." And I thought, "Uh oh." All right, here they're, it comes. They're going to call the security, dropping. and then they're going to take me away. And I don't know how to explain this to my husband, who's in the car waiting. Who's in the car waiting? He's <laughs> waiting the car running. <laughs> exactly. to the radio. <laughs> see security walking me out the door, and she said, "Don't move." And she walked away, went to a board outside, and snatched this paper off the board, stapled it because her office was like near the bathroom. Stapled the paper, said, "Sign this." Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Sure. And I did, because I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I'll do anything so I can get out of this building yeah, now. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, she said, well, what, what number can I reach you at? I said, I'm actually staying with friends. Give me their number. I said, well, actually, I'm in Alabama with my parents. Give me their number. <laughs> oh, OK. So I did. And she said, I'm just so happy to meet you. I'm so excited because I really think looking at your resume, you're this exactly good... who we need. I'm like, mm-hmm, that's great. <laughs> Thank you and have a nice day. Went 
got back into the car with my husband and he said, I was just about to run in to find you. Yeah. What happened? I said, I think I applied for a job. <laughs> I said, with who? I don't know. To do what? <laughs> I have no idea. And I said, but we should move very quickly because they may soon figure out I'm not the one. Right. So we left. Didn't think another thing about it. No take backs. No take backs. I'm out. A week later, I get this call uh, actually from Bill Henderson, who was in personnel. He said, hi, we're calling you to do a phone interview for the NASA Astrobiology Institute. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. That's awesome. Why? (laughs) you're like those all sound like great words i don't know what that has to do with me don't know what it means strung together that's an awesome idea and i said sure and he he's explaining and he said they're gonna call you is that okay yeah that's great so sure enough we i thought i should look this up right so i'm looking up on the computer what is the NASA Astrobiology Institute and i started reading it and i kid you not every cell in my body just resonated with what was going on. What was interesting, though, on the website, what I noticed was they spell science wrong. Oh, really? Right? It's that silent C. It's that silent C. (laughs) Ah, It'll get you every time. Exactly. (laughs) So I thought, oh, should I tell them? Should I? Well, you know what? I really want to do this with an authentic Be be Yes, exactly. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm still not even sure what the job is. Why not? So we have this interview. And you know, I'm telling them what I saw, what resonated, and the things I really love to do, especially anything that has to do with connection and anything that has to do with pulling order out of chaos. It's just my thing. Totally. It's the thing I started studying at Jacksonville State, you know, as a young wife when we first took off. And I've just always been fascinated at trying to find the path in the mm-hmm. middle of all kinds of things and connecting people. So I felt that astrobiology had that because I could not understand why anyone had never thought you can't answer any of the questions to get into deep space or off this planet if you aren't talking together. Totally. Right? Your engineer, if your engineer builds something that when it lands is going to kill all the life on the planet because you haven't planned on what that would look like, it's not going to succeed. So everything from science and, and chemistry, geochemistry, all those pieces need to talk, even for astrobiology. They had a focus group that worked on and focused on the theological questions and the philosophies around, well, if you find life, what's your responsibility? Yeah. Right? What are you supposed And I thought that was the best thing ever. I gotcha. I want to be with this group, <laughs> right? So at the end of the interview, still thinking I would mess it up, I said, yeah, by the way, your website is great, but did you notice you spelled science wrong? Nice. And Wendy Delci, who is interviewing me, I love her to this day, she said, I'm sorry, what? And so sure enough, you could hear her like, (laughs) right, wow. And then she said, we will have a follow-up interview. I said, okay, great. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Talked with Dr. Barry Bloomberg, who's Nobel laureate, who was the head of the Institute at the time, and Rose Grimes, his deputy. Mm-hmm. And next thing I knew, I had the job. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which was really just being the resource analyst and uh, management analyst at the Institute at the time. And it was funny because my first day on the job, I didn't do enough research mm-hmm. because we had a call. It was probably my first week. And the person who was supporting us, our admin who was supporting us, was out sick. And the phone rang. (laughs) 
and I answered it. You're like, it's anybody growing up, you're like, the phone's ringing. I'm not right. going to just, I'm not right. a monster. Right. You answer I the have phone. to answer the phone. You answer the phone, right? <laughs> I can do this. Exactly. I got this. I, I totally have like, this. And Bill Henderson had given me. Hello, you're me, calling NASA. Oh, right. Hello. <laughs> <How can I> <laughs> <You know? laughs> what can I do for you? And I was so excited. Bill Henderson had told me uh, in my sort of, I guess, onboarding call mm-hmm. um, for coming on board, he said, look, you can't mess this job up. I said, what do you mean? And he said, you are going to be very visible. Dr. Bloomberg is a Nobel laureate, and this is NASA. And the part of your job for making sure things run right and that you're the front forward face, you know, for helping Mm -hmm. him and all of the people there, if you mess this up, you could mess things up not only on a national scale, but on an international scale. No pressure. Right, no pressure. No pressure at all. (laughs) Got this. Right? And my crazy self went, Sounds like a blast. Let's do it, right? Let's, <laughs> Let's jump in. Why not? And and he did. He must have given me a 15-minute speech on don't mess this job up, right? So I'm nervous. Of course, if the phone rang, pick up the phone. Answer the phone, and this wonderful, silky-voiced person says, Hi, this is Dan Golden's office <laughs> calling for Dr. Bloomberg. Well, unfortunately, what I didn't research was that Dan Golden was the administrator of NASA. I was going to say. <laughs> so I'm like, Dan Golden. You're like, sounds like a nice guy, right? right. Let me He's see if I can help you out. Right, exactly. So I tell him, or tell her, who is Denise Stewart, who was his uh, executive admin at the time, I said, well, Dr. Bloomberg is very busy right now. May I take a message? <laughs> and she said, okay. Dan Golden's office. She said, I don't think you heard me it's right. It's cool, right. <laughs> it's right. And I said, and Dr. Bloomberg is very busy. Look, if you can just let me write that down, I'll get a message to him. Thank you so much. I got it. Dan Golden's office called. Great. Oh, that is too funny. Hung up the phone, right? Because <laughs> I had heard Dr. Bloomberg was the end all. And I, you know, Nobel laureate. That's who invented the hepatitis Nobel B laureate, if you didn't know. He's so. a guy. Cool. So I'm thinking, all right, I went back to my office. Well, within like 10 minutes, phone rings again. Huh. I should probably answer that. <laughs> so I did. Pick up the phone. Hello. Hello. This is Dan Golden. Hello. <laughs> oh, I just took your message. Right? How you doing? I'm like, what's up? <laughs> he goes, I'm calling for Barry Bloomberg. Yes. Dr. Bloomberg is on a very important call right now. May I take a message? And there was this pause. <laughs> and he said, this is Dan Golden. I said, this is Karen Bradford. <laughs> nice can to meet I, you. Can I take your name and number? And he said, Dan Golden. And I said, mm-hmm. Is that I-N or E-N? And he went, I-N. Okay, great. Do you have a number? He said, I'm sure he knows it. Okie dokie. Thank you so much. Bye. With, with loads of Alabama Southern and charm we as well. We went straight into Bless Your Heart, right? We were yes. like one second away from Bless Your Heart. <laughs> and I thought, okay. So sure enough, Rose Grimes comes walking by and she's like, so Karen, how's you know how's it going? What are you doing? And so like, this phone. guy named Dan. <laughs> right? He's very he's persistent. Exactly. Man. Goodness. You're kind of, kind of touchy. He's kind of pushy. He's kind of pushy, oh, no. but he called. <laughs> and she honestly almost fell down. She I'm said, sure. I'm sorry, who called? I said, um, Dan Golden, and she and she just she couldn't even speak for a moment. She's like, gotta run. <laughs> so Barry Bloomberg had come out of his office. He said, what's going on? And she said, Barry, Karen just answered the phone, and it was Dan Golden, and she told him you were busy. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I love Dr. Bloomberg to the day he passed. He looked and went, 
well, I'm a very busy man. That is awesome. <laughs> You're said, demonstrating higher value. I know. I'm a very busy <laughs> man. So he goes, let's call him back. And I'm looking, thinking, yep, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> and I think I'm going to have the shortest career at NASA ever. Oh, that's too funny. And all I could think of was trying to face Bill Henderson to say, you were right. And within a week, I messed this up. So Rose said, call, call them back at NASA headquarters. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Tell me again, who's Dan Golden? And she goes, he's the administrator of NASA. And I'm like, all of NASA? That's <laughs> 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 the best question. Like, all of it. All of it? She goes, yep. And you need to call back. So I called back, and Denise Stewart answered the phone, and she was barely controlling her laughter. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> she, to this day, it is, she also has left us in his past, but most professional person ever. And she said, hello. I said, I am so sorry. This is Karen Bradford from the NASA Astrobiology Institute calling for Dr. Blumberg for Mr. Golden. But in the background, you could hear the bluest language. God! He was screaming and just kind of like, who was that? And I thought... I just pack my bags and go because yeah, this yeah. is it. It was nice. It, it was, was a nice week. Thank you so much for having me. Week one, right? Week one. <laughs> nice. Week one. I thought, oh man. And she said, you know what, honey? It'll all be okay. Because if you get past this day, everything else will be yeah. smooth sailing. And I'm like, well, if I get past. I said, can I just apologize to him? She said, oh, I wouldn't right now. <laughs> you gotta own it. You gotta own it. You're like, I did what I did. This is Whatever. Like, so sure enough, I got Dr. Bloomberg and, Dar- and I told him, Dr. Bloomberg, Mr. Golden's on the phone. I'm really, really sorry. And he said, oh, don't worry. He said, together, uh-huh. we're going to make way more mistakes than this. Oh, and that's awesome. what we want, right? And as I'm leaving his office, you know, Barry Bloomberg leans in his chair. Dan, as you heard, I'm a very busy man. He's just hamming it up at that point. <laughs> he's enjoying every minute. He did. He did. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. But, you know, I didn't get fired, so I considered it a really good Oh, that is awesome. Well, like you talk about like the connections and connecting people and that fully very much goes into the job that you're in now as a chief of staff. And I want to get into the what is a chief of staff? What all goes into that? But I would be remiss to put Tiffany on the spot a little bit. Yes. So because even as when I first came to NASA, Tiffany, you were the first person that I met. Yes. Yes. That's right. I was. But I know (laughs) you guys have a connection as well. So tell me a little bit about that. How did y'all meet and how did you end up like pulling this stuff together? Mm-hmm. Well, I think Karen met me as a very stressed out college student. <laughs> like, I live for a job. It's like, you know, when you see the student, you kind of pull them to the side, like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, can I do anything? Oh, no, just trying to graduate and find my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, she met me as a college student, um, as a member of the National Coalition of 100 Black Women. And I kind of became like her mentee kind of after she saved me that one night after a meeting where I was just like totally stressed out with finals. Oh, I bet. Um, Yeah. And so ever since then, uh, she's kind of just been like my mentor. I'm proud of it. She's an amazing, amazing person. And it's one of the things with the, we're the Silicon Valley chapter of the NCPW. And I, I think the work that's there, and to her credit, Tiffany jumped in to be the education chair. 
mm-hmm. within what two years? Yeah, of, I don't oh, know how. Like it was I, all a blur. Youngest Man. chair ever. I was really youngest. ambitious at the time, <laughs> and still, I still is because the work that the chapter does, which I heart and soul am a fan of, she helps us with what's called our PSMART program, Pathfinder Science, Math, and Technology, and it's a STEM program. Yeah. That the reason it resonated so much for me, especially coming from small town, you know, and just really wanting sh- that people get opportunities. It's all about having mm-hmm. access to and knowing about an opportunity. Because we all can't just stumble into the personnel office hey, and find the bathroom right. exactly. to meet the hiring and official. An e- just doesn't happen. Yeah. Just doesn't the resume. Ha- yes. The resume. It just doesn't happen. And so my whole thing, and I knew that I had found a kindred spirit both with the chapter and with Tiffany, because they're all about that. So for girls, it's really weird that in the Silicon Valley that there's just not a lot of STEM-focused opportunities Mm -hmm. that are necessarily known about by minorities, kids of color, girls especially. And one of the things that Tiffany um, helped us to realize that we lose girls fourth through eighth grade they mm-hmm. drop like flies. Is where I think at first yeah. we had fifth through eighth, and then we dropped it down to fourth grade, um, trying to catch them and put them in a situation again where they saw in a room with parents as well, oh my gosh, there's someone who's really interested in STEM education, and I'm not odd, and it's nothing wrong with me wanting yeah. to be someone in this area. And one of the things Tiffany has helped us to do is take it from being STEM to STEAM. Again, how do you tell the story, right? If there's no one out there to tell what you do, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you may think it happened, but... Right, and if you're not telling the story, I mean, how are, you know, the girls in these areas actually hearing about these opportunities? If they don't hear about the stories told about what do you do, you know, across these Mm -hmm. multiple, you know, focuses in STEM. Right. So, yeah, I think it's very important that we tell the stories and... Which is crazy that I actually helped to st- tell the stories now here at NASA, but right. <laughs> it kind of comes full circle. But yeah, really trying to tap into that and you know getting the girls access to people in these fields and you know so they can mm-hmm. actually see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one thing to just tell a kid, "Oh my God, you can be an astronaut," versus you know actually bringing someone who has you know actually help find water on Mars mm-hmm. right in front of them, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you can throw data at people left and right, but that, it's right. that yeah. understanding the, the visual, story, the story, where it all fits in, and also yeah, how it's right. relevant exactly. to you. It's like the exactly. best how-to you could ever have, right? right. So, right. Yeah, and I think yeah. people, you remember stories. You sure. hear, you, there's something that you read or a podcast you listened to, mm-hmm. you remember the stories. You're not going to remember what the O2 levels were. No. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> it's right? going to come in and out, you know? Right. And that's exactly it. What they're going to remember is the story. It's going to be that tangible piece. It's going to be being able to see themselves in the story. Totally. Right? That is not something that is around you, but it's about you and that you're really a player. And doing that. So I think the work that we do for these young ladies, and it's not just sending them to camp. I mean, Tiffany puts on with mm-hmm. the rest of the chapter a technological sort of day oh, where cool. every girl who applies gets to do that day. You you know, there's only, let's be honest, there's only so much funding to do so many things for so many mm-hmm. kids. And we take that to the max. But I think over 150 applications generally that mm-hmm. we get each year, we might have 50 slots every year, oh, wow. but all 150 girls get to do Tech Day, right? 
and combination with this is this is that chaos connecting people whatever organization here in the silicon valley whether you know it's intel or genentech or you know rocket fuel rocket fuel and all of these other organizations informatica that host for the day and they step full in you know they're there they have their people there to give talks to the girls they have we have hands-on activities for them we do a lot of storytelling because we really make it a steam Mm -hmm. day um and so that they remember i think last year we took them up to camp maymac and what we did with the girls was send them on a space mission and everybody had a role as one of the officers on the deck right so there was a public affairs officer Mm -hmm. there was science officer who's going to do the food who's going to make sure you know that people understand who's disciplined right because if you're going on a long duration you have to think about discipline Mm -hmm. right what happens what is the law what oh is, yeah. What does that look like? And if you break it, what happens? What happens? Yeah. Right. And we, they. Oh yeah. my God. The fascinating, like their imaginations. Oh my God. I think that's, that's the great thing about kids is that you know when you become an adult, you, your imagination kind of just wavers. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, Real life happens. You're adulting. Paying for health insurance. Yes. And yes. You're adulting yes. now. Car insurance. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Gotta pay bills. You know. But it kids <laughs> at that age, um, for Cat Mamet, we generally they're fourth or fifth grade. Oh my God. Like. The imaginations, the things that they thought of in order to get us into space and to kind of like another like planet was just like, wow, you guys get it. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, well, and so for folks who are listening, you'll get used to Tiffany's voice, just like Abby and uh, Kimberly Kimberly. and other folks Mm -hmm. who have been on the Mm -hmm. the podcast. You're going to be hearing more from Tiffany, who's on our storytelling communications team as we go on uh, on. we keep talking, trying oh, to get yes. people. Well, I always like to say it's like the, it's the not only just the researchers, scientists, engineers, but this is also overall cool people. Absolutely, because it's not just like the technical side. There's a whole mission support. There's a oh, things that you know that you don't necessarily think of. It, it which goes into the steam with the right. A part, mm-hmm. but it's right. also just like helping the people to make their jobs easier so that they're not worrying about, they can focus on science and engineering and not have to worry about their procurement or the legal aspects or, you know, getting things posted on a website. But that also goes to the chief of staff. Ah. I want you to talk about that because people hear that word. It sounds Mm -hmm. fancy. And Mm. there's a whole chief of staff community at all of the NASA centers. So for folks who have no clue what that is, talk a little bit about that. What exactly is that? What does that job entail? Um, I would love to tell you something that's so formal, but honestly, it, I think the biggest skill set I bring to work every day is being a mom. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of listening with being the chief of staff. No day, and every one of the chiefs will tell you, is the same. Yeah. So primarily, you're the chief of staff to the center director, as well as the chief of staff for the center. Things that come up, problems, issues, things that are just sort of out of the ordinary. I connect them to people and answers. I bring people in a room to have conversations. I make sure that, you know, the center director is aware of things that are key and critical, as well as some of the things that are more the soft skill side. You know, if an organization is finding that we're doing really great work, but for whatever reason, we'd love to hear from you because... You know, it'll motivate us. We need to kind of know more what's going on. So a lot of the skills for chiefs um, have to do with that chaos theory management. You yeah. Know? So it's really been very helpful for me, both as a military wife, as a mom, as, you know, being this African-American, West Indian person from the South and, you know, doing all that cultural stuff 
things that you need to do. Yeah. Every single one of those skills has helped me, especially here at Ames. Very proud of that. And every one of the chiefs across the agency has a background that's different. And I think what happens is you kind of get to the one where your background helps you most for your center. Because regardless of when NASA, all of the centers have personalities, right, as a whole, yeah. right? And, and histories. And exactly. The thing, yeah. and, and sort of what your base is, what the ecosystem is for your community at your center. And your chief generally not only comes out of that ecosystem, but there are some skills that they have, whether they're an engineer, whether they're bioscientist or chemist, right? Or for me, mostly management analysis and what's going on and being able to just sort of oodle loop. Right. I'm constantly oodle looping all day because I have not run into too many things here at NASA Ames Research Center <laughs> where the answer is a rock concrete thing. I really yeah. haven't. Right. As long as you have the human factor, that will always be the case. Things are going to get interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting. And as long as you have a really talented group of people, not just in STEM, but absolutely on the mission support side of the house who are doing this innovative not cutting edge, but bleeding edge things. That's mm-hmm. everything from doing podcasts like this, yeah, yeah. right, to the things that we're doing in sustainability based with our new recycling. The water recycling has finally, I guess, come up. I heard that this morning. I'm excited about that. The amazing things we're doing in life detection and astrobiology, the rocket, and I mean rocket work that we're doing in cyber and things that we're doing in high-end computing, wow. UTM work. All of these things, you can't be bored. Mm-hmm. And as a chief, I don't think there are enough hours in the day for me to be able to, if I could, I'd go to every org and just sit and listen. There's nothing that doesn't fascinate me about the work we do. Well, that's a cool thing. That, that An advantage that Ames has, even as a research center, mm-hmm. is being involved in a lot of things. Oh, yeah. But then it also, it's like... Keeps it interesting, for It keeps sure. it interesting. It, it gives us endless content for the podcast. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> but it's also, I think, like the, the real energy of it is... Where those different fields of study overlap and interlink, where if you only focused on one, you would never notice how, you know, how they would overlap and interconnect. But it goes into it's so easy to be a researcher or be a a professional in a certain realm and be looking, focusing on your work. And you could miss those opportunities of where these interlinks could happen. And so having people with the the top down like view of, you know, not looking at the trees, looking at the whole forest and be like, well, hey. They have the same problem as you're having. Right. Have you ever talked to these people over here and making right. those human connections? Right, and can't be a, underestimated. No, and that's exactly what I do. I, I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it now. My secret will be out. But I actually will just throw random people in a room together. Nice. They think they're coming <laughs> to meet with me, but I'll throw them in because I know there's something someone said in one meeting, someone said in another, and that together, they're going to make this amazing thing, right? And oftentimes they'll walk out. And it will end up being some sort of connection or collaboration. And I'm, I think that's the work I'm the most proud of as a chief, is understanding what's happening enough, because I'm not the expert, and yeah. that's okay, but I can get the experts together, right, to have that conversation. We're working right now with the United Negro College Fund and Google and Howard University and CMU for them to do something that I, I really hope ends up being the beginning of Starfleet Academy. You know that's my goal, <laughs> right? Is to create Starfleet exactly. Academy. 
And be the future you want to see. Exactly, right? So they have just gotten the approval, UNCF, to kind of recreate this historically black college and university virtual institute here on the West Coast. Oh, awesome. Really excited about it. And it's not just HBCUs. It's HSIs and you know mm-hmm. tribal colleges and uh, other minority universities and institutions. So it's just getting off the ground. But what that's going to take is a whole lot of chaos cord pulling. It's a whole lot of throwing people in a room just to be aware of each other and having the conversation. For me, that's the yummy part of this job, right? We have the commitment from our senior management here to help in any way we can, whether it's to help with curriculum and all of this kind of stuff. But my fun part is just trying to see what blooms, right? Nice. What is it that's going to happen? Because somebody's got to start Starfleet Academy. We're in the Bay Area. We all know that's where it's going to (laughs) be. Now we just need to make that future reality, right, by getting the right people in the room. And I think that with diversity, it's so important to not be an afterthought, but to be part of the very plan, right? It's not supposed to be something that you add on. It's supposed to be part of the plan from the very beginning, yeah. right? And the very foundation of what you're building. And we don't have a lot of opportunities to do that. And this is a great opportunity. So this is comes the portion of the podcast where I get to completely embarrass you. Oh, gosh. And if you're not fully forthcoming, I have Tiffany over here helping <laughs> me out. Talk a little bit about what the Black Legends organization oh. is. Oh. And, you know, like... Talk about like like the fancy award oh that gosh. Karen Bradford receives. So oh talk gosh. about what is Black Legend Organization and anything you're not that you don't say or forget. Then Tiffany's gonna pull it up and, Thanks, <laughs> and go into That's it. That's awesome. I ha 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 ha. So I was really shocked because. Um, this is an award that's been here in the Silicon Valley. I think this is year three or four that they're doing it. Yeah, right. I think three or four. Um, I'd heard about it. And really, it recognizes African-Americans in the community here in Silicon Valley who have done things to sort of further both promote and support what goes on in the work that's done in the Valley and in different areas. So there's a legal area, there's a theater area, and there's a STEM area, which is the Dean Green Award. And I was nominated for, and to my shock, won the Dean Green Award um, for the work that I've done over the years in the Valley. Uh, both at the Astrobiology Institute for creating and helping to create the Minority Institution Research Sabbatical that we yeah. we started and has been going on in astrobiology. I think this is almost our 11th year of doing that. And then working within CBW with the STEM program to get the girls right in the PSMART program and doing just other outreach activities. So it, it was a huge honor. It was a shock. but And I'm, I'm not going to tell you I'm really embarrassed because... No, you, you earn it. It, uh, it was like, yeah, it was awesome. Well, you sit next to people like Judge Risa Pinchon, and it's the most absurd thing when going to the ceremony because it's really, well, really fancy, right? Mm-hmm. You're all dressed up and... Um, you know, I'd gotten my hair all pulled and tugged and the whole thing. gala thing. My husband was in a tux, just nice. the whole thing. And I had the really weird thing when I met Judge Pichon to curtsy, because I am in awe of the work that she does. And to my shock, she looked at me and she said, I am so proud of you because the type of things that you've been doing, the work that you've been doing, the above yeah. and beyond that you do is going to keep people out of my courtroom. But more importantly, it's really going to help us, right? And going forward, and I thought, I didn't even know she knew my name, right? Oh, wow. Let alone any of that. But it really was a great honor. And the African American Service Agency here in the Valley, along with the NAACP, there are several organizations that get together to vote Mm -hmm. on whether or not 
you get the award. And Ash Colra was there, and there was some sort of assembly recognition from um, California legislature okay. um, for the award. So it was, it was fun. It was a good was evening. Fun. Highlight evening. <laughs> the cover, did she cover it all, Tiffany? Did I do right? Did I do okay? Yeah, doing? I think so. Okay, I think see? it did well. Oh. I mean, you know, I think she, she likes to be shy about her accomplishments or her contributions. It's funny. <laughs> in full it's disclosure, funny. I've been trying to pull Karen in on this podcast for, for a while. For a long so time. Still don't know how you managed to pull this off. So I was uh, like, she's been well, hiding. you have to talk about the stuff that you're doing. Otherwise, people don't know about right. it. And so, oh, right. Oh, I mean, goodness. the first year, I actually started to chair education I had to actually like pull her arm to co-chair with me because I was like I don't know what I'm doing and she was like okay 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 so she chairs with me the first year we did <laughs> just awesome right mm-hmm. and then she sends me this lovely email at the end of the year hi just want to let you know I thought you did great this year but I am not going to co-chair with you next year. You've got it. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Good job, Bye. <laughs> Thank you for your service. And ever since then, it's just been like, you're on your own, you got it. And I'm just like, ah, okay. Yeah, Thank you should. so much. But it's like, good, but that's the purpose, right? You want that next <laughs> totally. generation just to like, do it. Yeah. Yes. I've gotten pulled so many times and, and just like, oh, okay. And then before I know it, I'm just out there flying on my own. Yes. It's <laughs> funny. Well, I even think about like for myself, because I have my own Karen Bradford story. Because oh. Well, this is also when I when I joined NASA, which was, you know, just two years ago, was previously at the State oh, Department right. and joined in and coming in for the first time, very intimidated. I've always been into nerd culture and, and super big NASA fan. Mm-hmm. But... You didn't show it though, Matt. You did, I know. You didn't show <laughs> it at all. <laughs> well, but it was funny because I'm sitting there in this room and it's like a, not a round table, it's like this office table and I'm sitting... At one end, like I'm ready to carve the Thanksgiving turkey, <laughs> and they have this whole slew of experts who are just staring at you doing the interviews. And I remember Michael Bacay, he runs the science directory here. I remember his question was, you know, about like maybe possibly in the near future we could find microbial life. Mm-hmm. What is your PR plan? How do you do it? And I remember like having all of these questions coming at me and right. being nervous. And Karen, I remember, I will never forget this, that you were like off to your to the, by left mm-hmm. immediately. And it was just like, I don't know if it's just the warm Southern charm, but like you, you became the, the safe place. Because like typically, you know, your the eyes just gravitate to somebody <laughs> where it was like, when in doubt, if I couldn't think of anything, I'd turn and I'd look over at Karen. I'd, we'd never met. We'd never spoken. Right, right. But it was just the like, you know, sometimes there's just a, a presence or an energy where you're like, oh, I'm safe talking to this person. Oh, yeah. And she's listening <laughs> to me and thinks everything I'm saying is wonderful. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, yes. I'll address the broader room. But it's always, I think, I think in that kind of goes yeah. in throughout your life. Yeah. There are some people who have a natural energy and just kind of attract people of like, here's a comfortable, safe place. Thank you. And help connect it on through. Well, it was easy with you because honestly, you're a interviews were crazy good and you had me laugh and I couldn't laugh out loud (laughs) on the phone but I thought he's gonna fit well here right I just do and I and I think that being warm and and quote southern I always tell people I'm a southerner I honestly don't understand half of what you're saying most (laughs) and the the boardroom takes me a moment because I have to translate it into sort of like what what does peanut butter spread actually mean things like that (laughs) so it's it's interesting because in the role of chief sometimes I'm I can't be warm and fuzzy as I like mm-hmm. to be but it's never it's never something that's not without sort of the ultimate goal of making sure that person is their best right you're totally. trying to kind of like get them there to get them to be their best but I think I'm, I'm very proud of actually being from Alabama and you know having on the background that I did with my parents who were both educators and just really hoping to make them proud you know that's just what I want to do they both since gone but I, I'd like to think 
that in looking back, you know, or looking down or whatever it is they're doing, that they're very proud of the work that I've done or that I'm still trying to do the work that they did, right, to get people to be their best and to do their best and have that opportunity. Well, so for folks who are listening, if you have any questions, comments for Karen or for the podcast, uh, we are on all the social media accounts at NASA Ames. We also have been using the hashtag NASA Silicon Valley. So don't be shy and send things away and we'll get back to Karen and loop loop on back. But thank you so much for coming. You're I think welcome. we might have hit You're the welcome. record on the longest podcast oh, thus far. No, that was this not is what goal. happens when you have three not people the with the gift of gab. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have been listening to the NASA in Silicon Valley podcast. Remember, we are a NASA podcast, but we are not the only NASA podcast. So don't forget to check out our friends at Houston. We have a podcast. There's also Gravity Assist. There's This Week at NASA. And if you're a music fan, don't forget to check out Third Rock Radio. The best way to capture all of this content is to subscribe to our omnibus RSS feed called NASA Casts. Or visit the NASA app on iOS, Android, or anywhere you find your apps. 